Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says that after God had created the heavens and the earth and everything and he rested on the seventh day, that he formed man out of the dust of the earth. And then he he breathed life into him. And man became a living soul. There's no life in us without the spirit. We know that. When your spirit is departed, you no longer breathe. You're dead. There was no life in man until God breathed in him. In Ezekiel 37, we see the prophet Ezekiel. The song we just sang, dry bones. Breathe, O God. Breath of God, breathe upon us. And God told Ezekiel... He took him to a valley and he set him in the middle of a valley of dry bones. I mean, he didn't put him on a hill to look at him. He set him right in the middle of them. And he said to Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel's response was, Lord God, you know. God says, prophesy to these bones. So Ezekiel began to prophesy to those dry bones. And a beautiful thing happened. All of these bones started coming together. I see that happening in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The bones are coming together. The dry bones that have been scattered by all kinds of things that the enemy has done to try to destroy the church of the living God. But he cannot. But these dry bones began to come together. And there was a shaking and a quaking. And then they started to join up in the right joints. They were disjointed. But now they begin to align themselves. And as they begin to align themselves, sinews started to connect the bones together. And then flesh started to appear upon the bones. But they weren't alive yet. Then God said to Ezekiel, prophesy breath into them. Prophesy breath into them. You have family members that are lost and away from God. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. You, you son of man, prophesy life into them. Speak life over them. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Speak life. Speak the breath of God over them. Breathe the life of God over them. We fast forward. You know, I believe that the Valley of Dry Bones is a picture of the church today. Actually, it was a picture of Israel. But Israel was a picture of the church. And so, there were all these dry bones that were disjointed and scattered. There was no unity. They were just all over the place. But God brought them together. He brought unity to them. Now, Jesus had prophesied to his, to his uh, disciples in the upper room in John chapter 20. Remember, he had been crucified and he had risen from the dead and the disciples hadn't yet seen him. Only Mary. She's the only one. The others heard about it, 
but they hadn't seen him yet. But Jesus appeared in this room and the disciples were hiding out. That's the church today. We're hiding out behind, inside the walls of the church for fear of what people are going to think, for fear of what people are going to do. I was listening to my friends Jacques and, and uh, Florgois that were here just a couple of weeks ago at our EFI regional meeting. They're missionaries in a country that I can't even mention because it's too dangerous for them. But they say in that country that there's great persecution, that people die for their faith, that they find out that they are a Christian, they kill them. So they don't call themselves Christians, they call themselves believers. Not for fear. Kind of a code word among the believers. The beautiful thing is that when they gather together that they don't have church buildings, but they're still very organized as a church. You know who organizes them? The Spirit of the living God. They don't even know where they're going to meet. It's just, you know, they come together and all these people come together and Jacques asked one of them, how do you know where to meet? They say, well, the Holy Spirit tells us and we go. And they get there and there's hundreds of them meeting. That way the enemy don't know where they're at. God has his ways, doesn't he? But does that surprise us? Remember in, in the book of 1 Kings where, where one of the kings uh, was, well, actually it's in 2 Kings, where um, what the, the, the king of, of Aram was coming against the people of, of Israel. And the Lord started telling Elisha what was going on as they were making their war plans, he would reveal it to the prophet Elisha, and the prophet Elisha would tell the king what was getting ready to take place. Was well, they were in their war room, and they're trying to figure out what in the world's going on. They thought there was a treasonous person among them. And they're like, who is it that's spilling the beans? Who's giving away up our, our war plans? And they said, well, it's not any of us. It's that prophet Elisha. God tells him what we're going to do before we do it. See, God knows. God knows. The Spirit of the living God knows things that we don't know. He, he knows the end from the beginning because he's been here from the beginning and he knows what the end is going to be. And Jesus told his disciples, he said, he breathed upon them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. At that moment, they became born again. All the work had been accomplished. He had paid the penalty for their sins. So now they were born again because he breathed life upon them and they were born again, but they were not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about water baptism? What does it mean to baptize? Remember what that means? It means to what? Overwhelm. Overwhelm. It doesn't just mean to, to fill up to the top. It means to overwhelm. To baptize you. That's why when we do water baptism, we submerse people. We immerse them into the water and bring them out all the way down. I mean, you got to go all the way. You know, that's, you're overwhelmed. And so Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 24, 49, he said, don't do anything but this. Go and wait, tarry in Jerusalem and wait for what? He says, wait until you receive power from on high. Wait until you receive power from on high. And then after he had been with his disciples for a period of time, it came time for him to be to ascend into heaven. And just before he went into heaven, he told his disciples, he said, go and tarry. What does it mean to tarry? Wait. Wait in Jerusalem and you shall receive the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
Guess what today is? The day of Pentecost. It was on this day 2,000 years ago. Well, a little more than 2,000, 2,017 years ago, if you want to be precise, that Jesus ascended and he told his disciples, go and wait for the promise of the Father. And so they went to Jerusalem. Now there were 500 of them, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there were over 500 who witnessed his ascension. How many were in the upper room? Come on, help me out. You Bible scholars, help me out. There were 120. 120 gathered in the upper room. That tells me something. Not many are willing to wait. Not many are willing to wait for the promise of the Father. We think that we can do things in our own flesh. We think we can do things in our own strength. And we fail miserably at it. Every methodology that we have, you can have all the methods. You can have the slickest praise and worship team. You can have the best media. You can have the best building. You can have the best laid out plans. You can do all of these things. But without the power of the Holy Spirit, you still don't have anything. And Jesus said, wait, wait until you receive power from on high. For you shall receive power from on high after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you shall be witnesses unto me. Now we look at that word witnesses and we think it's going out passing out tracts. That word witness right there had a whole different connotation. It is the word martis. You know what martis is the root word for? It's the root word for martyr. And you shall be martyrs for me in Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea and even unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You're going to be filled with such anointing and power that you're willing to lay down your life for me. It does not bother you. You are not afraid. What were they doing when Jesus met them after his, after his resurrection from the dead? What were they doing in that room? They were hiding out. But now, they're going to Jerusalem. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that the disciples were gathered together in one accord, waiting for the promise of the Father. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly, suddenly. there came from heaven a sound. I wonder what that sound was. I wonder what that sound was. It sounded like a rushing, mighty wind. How big is God? How big is God? When God breathes, it's not like you and me going. When God breathes, it's like. The sound came from heaven like a rushing, mighty wind. And the place that they were sitting. Man, it, it messed them up. And the Holy Spirit descended upon them with, with tongues of fire. And it set upon each of them as, like cloven fire, like, like, like tongues of fire. And you know what happened to them? They began to do what? Why do we shy away from that? They began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance or the ability to. They begin to speak with other tongues, not known tongues. They begin to glossolalia. They begin to speak with tongues that were not known by man. They begin to speak in a heavenly language. And I believe it was the same language that they were speaking before Babel. 
Remember before the Tower of Babel? They were all unified together. They were all speaking one language because all of the people who heard them, heard them speaking in their language. Heard, I mean, here's 120 people speaking a language that they don't know. And all of the people around, the over 5,000 people who were listening to them, each of them heard them speaking in their language. Wow, now that's a miracle. That is a miracle I can't even comprehend. A heavenly language that everyone understood. God unified their language so that everybody around them understood what was being said. It said there were people from every part of the world who had come for the day of Pentecost. They had come for the feast that God had brought them together. And they all heard them speaking in their language. Well, someone asked the question, aren't these unlearned people? I mean, how, what, I don't get, how how is this happening? What does this mean? Somebody said, well, they're apparently drunk. And Peter, the very one who had boldly stood up to Jesus and said to him, if even if the rest of the disciples, even if the rest of my brothers here desert you, I never will. And Jesus said, Peter, 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 before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. This very night. This very night. And he did. But Peter had returned. And remember in Luke 22, Jesus told Peter, he says, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. You know what? Satan desires to sift you too. He desires for you to fall out. He desires for you to fall away. And Peter did momentarily. He said, but when you return, Peter, I've prayed for you. And when you have returned, go and strengthen your brothers. Some of you, you've wandered away from God, but you've come back. And some of you haven't come back yet, but God's not finished with you yet. God is still drawing you. God is still speaking to you. But when you come back, go and strengthen your brothers. God has something for you to do. That's why God has his hand on you. He's not going to let you go. He loves you too much. You see, when we're born again, we become a son of God. That puts us in a whole different class, does it not? I mean, I got friends. Friends come and go. But my family, I'm I'm stuck with them. I don't forget my family. They're my blood. And you and I are connected by the blood of Jesus. And, and, and God's royal blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, flows in your veins if you are a child of God, if you've been born again. So he's not going to let you go that easily. So Peter came back. And he repented with tears, bitter tears. Peter's still trying to figure it all out. I imagine boastful Peter was probably the quietest one of the whole bunch. Don't you think? I imagine he was. He was probably very quiet because he'd run his mouth so much it got him in trouble. But now something different happens to him. When the Holy Spirit came upon him and the breath of God began to breathe in him, all of a sudden, Peter stood up. He faced the crowds. He said, these men are not drunk, as you suppose. He didn't say they weren't drunk. He just said, they're not drunk, as you suppose. I remember my wife and I, 
my family when we were on Avon and, and we were pastoring a little church out there that we had revival services and the wind of God's spirit would blow into that place. And nobody wanted to leave. A lot of times people couldn't leave because they were laid out on the floor. We literally would peel kids off the floor and take them home because they would be too drunk to drive, too weak to walk. We'd have to carry them home because of the power of the Holy Spirit falling upon them. And I long for that. I long for the breath of God to touch us. Where we're not relying upon, upon external things to do the work of God, but we're relying upon what God has put inside of us. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them and God breathed upon them, all of a sudden they became totally different people. These same people who had hidden out, all of a sudden they're not hiding anymore. They're out doing the miracle working power of God. They're displaying the works of God and they turn the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. It was good news, by the way. Good news. Y'all know what good news is? You see, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Spirit is good news. The letter says it's a whole list of don'ts and do's and everything else. You know, you got to do this and you got to do that. You can't do this and you can't do that. That's the kind of thing that kills. It doesn't do any good, does it? But when the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to us, it teaches us to live a life of holiness. It teaches us. To honor God, it teaches us. To rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what grace does. Grace doesn't give us license to live our own way and do our own thing. Grace teaches us about the godliness. It teaches us about the goodness of God. That's what grace does. It's the outflow of the goodness and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the gifts of God that he has given to us freely through Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what happens when God breathes upon us. We can't do anything without breath. A lot of the church today is suffering from spiritual COPD. You know, we don't have enough of the power of God in us to shoo away a mosquito. I'm kind of like the old guy that says, if a mosquito comes and bites me, I want him to go away singing there's power in the blood. And you get him a good dose of the Holy Ghost when he comes and bites me. That's what we should desire for, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? We're constantly breathing in the breath of God. We're constantly in His presence. How many of y'all like halitosis? I mean, you just love being in somebody's presence, especially if you're in a, in a small room and, and they haven't brushed their teeth in a week or whatever. And, and, and you know, they, they've been eating garlic or something and, 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 and they're just, you know, smelling up the place with their breath. I mean, it, how many love that? I mean, you just can't wait for that kind of experience. No, we want fresh breath. We want fresh breath, not something stale. We don't want yesterday's bread. We don't want yesterday's breath. We need a fresh move of God. We need a fresh moving of His Spirit, a fresh breath to be breathed upon us, to receive it. I mean, if you take a good deep breath and hold it, how long are you going to hold it? Not very long. And that's what a lot of people have tried to do spiritually. God has moved upon us. We received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we haven't done anything since. 
It's like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) And and you run out of air. You get weak, you get weary. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Because they're breathing in the breath of God. They've waited upon Him to breathe upon them. I remember being at a baccalaureate service. I will never forget this as long as I live. When we were on Hatteras Island, we had six AG pastors, six Methodist pastors, one Baptist, and one Catholic. Can you imagine what kind of... But we had great unity. We really did. There were a couple of independent churches that were a part of that too. But every year we would select someone among us to do the baccalaureate service at the school. I say the school because there was only one. And so I remember one particular year that one of my friends, John Carlock, who's a missionary to, Indian, uh, to uh, Jerusalem now. He's in Israel. He and his wife, Marcy. But John, man, he just, he, he nailed it. He comes upon the platform when it's time for him to do the baccalaureate service and he goes to each one of the students and hands them a mint. Gives every one of them a mint. Of course, they're all unwrapping them, you know, and sticking them in their mouth. And he turns to them and he said, you know why I gave you a mint? Because you all need fresh breath. And he said, you're getting ready to go out into the world and face the world. You've got your diploma in your hand and you think you're ready. But you're not ready until the Spirit of God is breathed upon you. Amen. Man, that just resonated with me. That just, that just smacked me right in the face. And I'm thinking, you know, in the church, we're the same way. We think we are so ready. We hear a good message and we're ready to run out the door and run with it. Oh, yes, hallelujah. And we get a halfway. What did he say? <laughs> you know, I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, that was such a good message. And I say, what did I say? Uh... Uh, I don't know, but it was good. (laughs) But when the Spirit of God breathes upon you, you don't forget it. I was talking to my sister yesterday. My mother's prayers are being answered every day. I baptized one of my sisters a couple of weeks ago. My oldest sister was sitting in her house just last week. She said she was just sitting there praying, and she's just really been hungry for God. She's had a lot of physical problems and stuff, but she said she was sitting in her chair. And she said all of a sudden, it's just like God just breathed on her, and she just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit sitting in her chair. She said, I just, she said, just messed me up. She said, I spoke in tongues for like hours. She said, my husband came in. I had to go in the other room because I couldn't talk to him. See, it's what the Holy Spirit does. And that heavenly language that builds us up. There's only one thing that God said would build us up. And it's in Jude 20. It says, praying in the Holy Ghost. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we pray in the Spirit? Come on, help me out, somebody. Paul says, I will pray with the Spirit. And I will pray with my understanding also. And some of my good denominational friends have tried to take that and break it down and say, well, when you pray in the Spirit, it's like you're praying according to the will of God. Duh. 
How do we pray according to the will of God? Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit helps us in our infirmities because He prays for us in groanings and utterings that we can't understand. And our spirit is, our mind is unfruitful, but our spirit prays to God. <sighs> That's that heavenly language that God uses. It communicates directly with the Father. And it bypasses the devil because he don't know how to decode it. He can't figure it out. You know, he said, I know English, I know Arabic, I know every language on the face of the earth, but I don't know that one because it's a heavenly language. He doesn't understand, but the Holy Spirit does. He understands and he does the praying for us. I like that. There's a freedom in that. There's a freedom in that. We can just pray in the Holy Ghost. And we don't have to worry about whether our prayer is a selfish prayer or not. Because it isn't. It's the only perfect way to pray is when we pray in the Spirit. And we can't do that without the breath of God moving through us. Because when the breath of God is breathing in, when we breathe the breath in, what do we do? We have to breathe it out. Walk with the Spirit and you will not fulfill The lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Now, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Come on. Now, when you walk to your car and you get to your car, are you ready to go yet? Stand there and look at it. Let's go. What do you have to do? You have to open the door and get in it. And when we walk in the Spirit, we walk in the overwhelming sense of God's presence. Think about that. He is our sword and our shield. He's our buckler and our high tower. And it says in in Proverbs 18 and 22, it says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. How many like to be safe? You can run. Him. You can run into His presence. You can live in His presence. You can walk in His presence. You can dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You can abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And the wicked one can't touch you. He can't even come near your dwelling. He cannot put any diseases upon you because you are surrounded by the Almighty power and the breath of God. The earth was without form and void. In the beginning, the earth was without form and void. It was empty. And then something happened. What happened? The Spirit of the Lord moved. I believe it was the wind of God blowing. And when the breath of God touched the earth, things began to fall into order. Creation began to happen. As God began to to breathe those words of life and affirmation over the earth, God created everything that was in the earth, and He called it good. Everything that He made was good. And and He made man, and He said it was good. And He saw that man was alone. He said, that's not good. Then He made a woman for her, and He said, that was good. Everything He did was good. God's a good God. He got good breath. Fresh breath. And when he breathes upon us, life happens. That's what happens every time God breathes. The nefesh, when God breathes, the ruah, the life of God comes out of him. And it touches us and it changes us. 
until we're breathed upon by the Spirit of God, we're still dead in our trespasses and sin. But we're not ready yet. Once we're born again by the Spirit of God, we're not ready yet until we are overwhelmed by the Spirit of God to go out and do what God has called us to do. He told his disciples, breathe, receive the Holy Spirit. Did they receive the Holy Spirit? Yes, they did. But were they ready yet? No, they were not. Because they had not waited in his presence until what? They received power from on high. Many of us want microwave religion. We want to just get it and go, you know. Put in our order. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Lord. I got it. Oh, I'm out of here. Got to run. Got things to do. Don't have time to wait on you. But God says, wait. Wait upon the Lord. Wait, I say. Wait upon the Lord. Renew your strength in Him. Let God breathe upon you. Get in His presence. Experience His presence. Dwell in His presence. And let God fill you with His Spirit. So that you're ready to do what God has called you to do. You never know when God's going to call you to do something. You better be ready. You better be ready. Your assignment may change at any moment. Be ready. I think about Philip up in Samaria, and he's doing all these wonderful things, and people are being saved. Woo, all kinds of good things are happening. Man, he could have got a tent. He could have had revival meetings. Hundreds of thousands of people would have come. He could have taken great offerings and everything else, bought an organ and all this stuff. I mean, he just had it going on. You wouldn't believe what happened in that service last night. Well, there were people there that had demons. And when he told them to come out, they came out and they were screaming. And people were being healed and all kinds of things were taking place. I mean, the word was getting around and he was having great revival. But God changed his assignment and sent him down to Gaza. Why? You know where Gaza is? It's a strip of desert. But God sent him there to touch one person with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was important. Because that one person went back and touched the lives of others. God knows exactly what he's doing. So we have to walk in the spirit. We have to wait upon the Lord. We have to be ready at all times to do what God has called us to do. But we cannot depend upon the arm of the flesh to do it. I was talking to Frank and Shirley um, Harvey. They came in this weekend and spent, a couple, spent the night with us the other night. And, and we were talking. I was talking to Frank and I was telling him about being down in Mexico. And, and how that I missed my flight and got up had to get up early the next morning, all that kind of stuff. And then I was so tired by the end of the day with all the things that we were doing. I mean, it was just a, we were going full bore all day long and I was tired, man. I'd been up since 3.30 the day before and I was tired and I got about three hours sleep. And when we got done, I was, we were heading back to the hotel and I was so excited. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Ah, I could just feel the air from that air conditioning. I could just feel that bed. I could just, Oh, thank you, Lord. I just I had that on my mind, you know. And, and then we go right by the hotel. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Where, where, where are we going? And, and Enmer, who's like the ever-ready Bonnie. I mean, this guy is just full, so full of energy. He's like, you're going to preach. I said, what? So you're going to preach then. I said, where? He said, well, I have no temple. EFI, build new temple. Nobody ever preached there, but you're going to be the first. I'm like, oh, glory. So all these people had come to, to dedicate this new building. And 
And that, that were, there were well over 200 people, probably close to 300 people there. They were just packed in like sardines. And the service was long. It's like, oh, Jesus. I mean, Lord, you, you wanted me to preach, but I have to wait five hours to do it, you know. But I was so, if I had depended upon the arm of the flesh, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I just would not. But all I could do was sit there and pray in the Holy Ghost. And when Nehemiah told me that I was going to be preaching, all of my materials, my Bible and everything was back in the hotel room. So I didn't have nothing. Nothing. So I turned to Katya, his wife, who speaks English. I said, Katya, you're going to have to read the scripture for me and translate. She said, okay, what scripture do you want? I said, I don't know. And I asked Nehemiah, I said, Nehemiah, how much time we got? We'd be there in about six minutes. So I'm like, oh, God. I just began to pray in the Holy Spirit. And God just dropped a message in my heart. The same thing I'm sharing with you this morning about the breath of God, about the need for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I realized that there were pastors there who were fresh. They had just been saved. And many of them, they're, they're so gung-ho for God, man. They're out preaching three weeks after they're born again. I mean, they, they did. I mean, there was, I was like, yes, Lord, I know exactly what you want me to do. And so I preached the message, and that, that, that night there were, there were 28 people, 28 pastors that were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And 22 people got saved, and a young man got delivered of demons. And I'm like, this is so God. This is just so God. And it depended upon the breath of God to breathe life into me. And I want to tell you something. As soon as that was over with, I collapsed. I sat down. I could not move. I was just like... My flesh was, but the spirit of the living God gave me the breath, gave me the energy to do what God had called me to do for that moment. And that's why Paul, uh, Peter said, be ready in season and out. Be ready always to give an answer to the hope that lies within you. You've got to be prepared. Actually, it was Paul said that to Timothy. He said, preach the word. Be ready. Be ready in season. But God wants us to be ready at every moment. How do we do that? Well, if you are an athlete and you're sitting on the bench, you might be the guy that's sitting on the bench. I remember years ago I was watching a football game. I loved what happened. I hated the end result because my team got beat. But there was a man by the name of Frank Reich. He played for the Panthers for a while. Anybody remember Frank Reich? He used to be backup backup quarterback for the, I believe it was the Buffalo Bills. And the Houston Oilers were playing the Buffalo Bills. And I was watching that game, and Houston had a 33 to nothing lead going into halftime. And I'm thinking, oh, man, we got this one in the back. I believe, I don't know who the starting, uh, might have been Jim Kelly or something that was a quarterback. He was being pretty ineffective, so they sat him on the bench. They bring Frank Reich out. And he just bounces out there, man. And he goes to work. Boom, 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 touchdowns everywhere. By the time it was over, they had won the game. I was like 38 to 33, and I'm like, what? <laughs> At the end of the game, one of the reporters runs up to Frank Wright and sticks a mic in his face and says, how did you do that? And he said, in Christ alone, I will glory. Not in my strength alone. I said, Yes. He gave glory to God. He might have been sitting on the bench praying in the Holy Ghost. Lord, how are we going to pull this one out? We need this one. I don't know. 
But he gave God the glory for it when it happened. And it was printed in the paper the next day, in Christ alone, I will glory. I was like, "Woo! yes. Those were the words of the winning quarterback of the biggest comeback probably of all times. I was like, wow. But that's what God does. You see, every one of you are the comeback kids. Every one of you are the comeback kids. You might be down. You might be sitting at the bench just waiting for an opportunity to shine. And all of a sudden, God will call you into the game since your time. Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you been sitting in my presence? Have you been waiting upon me? Are you full of my breath? Are you ready to explode? Are you ready to do what I've called you to do? Because if we're not ready, we're just, we're just anemic if we step out in our own strength and power. If David had been called to go out and face the giant in his own strength, he would have surely failed. But how did he go? He, we told Goliath when Goliath came, I said, what do you think I am? You, 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 you come at me like a little dog or something? I can take a stick and thump you on the head and it's over with. And David says, you come at me with your javelin and your sword. But I come at you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Take this rock and eat it. <laughs> Down he went. I believe the Holy Spirit was in that rock. The breath of God was moving that thing. And when he slung it, it went with extra velocity because the breath of God said... Down he went. You see, he didn't go in his own strength. He didn't go in his own power. He went in the power and the strength of the Lord God Almighty. We need the breath of God. God doesn't want us having spiritual COPD. He wants us to be full of breath. He wants us to be alive in the spirit. He wants us to be ready to go at any moment, any time. And so we need to pray, breath of God, breathe on me. Breathe on me, Lord. And when God had spoken to, to Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones and, and, and he brought the, the bones and the sinews and the flesh and everything together and they were all just lying there, a bunch of dead bodies. And he says, prophesy life over them. Prophesy life over them. We are called to prophesy life over Salisbury, over Spencer, Rockwell, Faith, China Grove, Cleveland, Woodleaf, all in the East Rowan area, Rockwell, everywhere. We're to prophesy the life of God so that dead bones will live. There are people who have been disjointed and discouraged and, and separated from the body of Christ. The enemies had a heyday with them. If there were all the people that I know of have, have, have come to the Lord and given their lives to Christ only to be defeated by the enemy and separated from the life of God. And many of them are sitting in their, their homes right now discouraged and, and disjointed and everything else. We need to prophesy life over them. That God will breathe life into them again so that those dead bones can live. They're still bones. They're still a part of the body, but they are dead right now because there's no life in them. They need the life of God in them. And I prophesy that life over you this morning. I prophesy it over you. Breath of God, breathe. Breath of God, breathe new life. Breathe it in. You need a Holy Spirit fresh mint. Breathe in the life of God. Breathe in the life of God. It's not a natural work that we're dealing with. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Things that are flesh are flesh and things that are spirit are spirit. They're, they're different. God doesn't work in the ways that we think he, he should work. 
but he works in ways that he has orchestrated. He works by power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by power nor by might, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It's by the spirit of the living God, and the spirit of the living God has his ways. And we need to let the Holy Spirit have his way. We need to let him do what he wants to do. We don't need to try to control things. We need to let the Holy Spirit have control. We need to let him move. Let him do what he wants to do. Amen? We don't need to worry about the clock. We don't need to worry about order. We need to keep things decent in order, but to be led by the Holy Spirit, to allow the Spirit of God to do what the Spirit of God wants to do, when He wants to do it, and how He wants to do it. And right now, I feel like God wants to do something supernatural. God wants to do something supernatural. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.